I am very excited to have my guest on PTSM this week. Uh, one of the most decorated professional wrestlers of all time, uh, as far as uh, championships and the WWE and, uh, um, and so many other uh, great accomplishments, a great career he had with TNA. And then, of course, back to the WWE. Uh, since he retired, he's been very, very busy. He's done some acting. And, of course, uh, you couldn't break up one of the greatest unions in the history of professional wrestling, even after they retired from the ring. Uh, teaming up with Edge uh, for a ridiculous podcast, the ENC podcast that reeks of awesomeness, and of course the Edge and Christian show on the WWE Network. Uh, that latest episode is out of Moonies. I don't know if you've caught it yet. It is a spoof on the movie Goonies. It is just insane. Uh, Vicky Guerrero's in it. Santino is in it. Tommy Dreamer, Carlito. Uh, check that out. But before you do, it's time to listen to my conversation with the one and only. Jay Riso, Christian. Ding, ding, ding. Well, folks, it took us a while to connect for this podcast. That's because uh, former WWE superstar Christian is as busy as ever with uh, several interests taking up his time. That includes a podcast, a television show, acting gigs, and most importantly, his family. Jay, welcome to Primetime with Sean Mooney. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And um, it, it's not that I was that busy. It's more that I was just big leaguing you. Yeah. <laughs> trying, to make my, try, trying to make myself seem important. I'm, oh, okay. I'm really not that important. But no, I apologize. But uh, we're here now. That's right. As long as we made it happen. I mean, you can only blow me off for so long. I just keep hounding right. you. So I know. I thought, I thought at some point you might just like, show up at my yeah. front door <laughs> without, your, without, without your pants. Uh, that's true. Uh, <laughs> and even though I have them back. But we'll get That's into right. that. We will get into that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you said uh, you're back home in Florida and a little chilly there, but uh, nothing compared to where you grew up in Canada. And I know you've been were uh, just there visiting. Uh, what's it like to go back? Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because you know it's it, 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 it's it's like the old saying, right? I mean, it's always it's always good to go home, and there's no place like home. All those sorts of things, and it's true, right? You go back, and I grew up in a in a small town outside of Toronto. Um, Edge and I both did, yeah. And you know, it's funny you go back and it's still that same small town vibe. Um, you know, you still see a lot of familiar faces. And, and this time when I was back, you know, I saw a lot of people that I had had gone to school with and things like that. So, you know, it's a it's home, right? I mean, you grew up there, and it's um, it, it was just it was a really cool place to to grow up. The town that, that I grew up in, and, and you know, we were close enough to Toronto to go down to the city, but. You know where I live, we kind of had the whole s- small town thing going on. So, but it's nice to go home in, in the winter time. I will, uh, like we talked about kind of before we started. You know, every time I think I miss it a little bit, yeah. get back up there in the winter, get back up there in the winter time, yeah. get into a, a freezing cold car, have to yeah. uh, you know wipe the snow off the windows and those sorts of things. And yeah. it's like, ah, man, get get me back to Florida. Yeah, nice visiting, but yeah, yeah. Well, well Orangeville, <laughs> uh, that Orangeville, right, is where you guys grew up. It is. That's right. And and the, is it a really? Uh, you know, small town, because, I mean, a lot of people don't understand how, how Canada, I mean, we, we know it's not too far from us, but it is a, it's a different country, and it's, and it's divided up into provinces, and, you know, right. Ontario is not, it's not a state, folks, it's not like this, it's a gigantic swath of land up through right. Canada, and you guys were, were in the southern part, but it was a, like, small town USA in a way? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's pretty much the same thing, you know. Uh, it was like when I grew up there, it was it's grown a lot since I moved. Every time I go back, there's there's newer areas that I don't quite recognize. But um, you know, when I grew up there, there was maybe twenty four, twenty five thousand people in the town. 
um, kind of a, a mid-size. Yeah, so it was um, yeah, basically same thing. Think of any small town America; it's it's basically the, the pretty much the same thing. Yeah. So uh, you guys are pretty big deals there, I would imagine. I mean, I know how humble you are, but but really, when you get back <laughs> there, do they have you know like the banner across Main Street, home of you know Adam and Jay, or are we mean Edge and Christian? I mean, is it? <laughs> you would think they would a but plaque. No, the, it's funny because <laughs> we did actually a funny, funny story is we did get inducted into the sports hall of fame for our town a couple of years ago and, uh, Adam couldn't make it. He was, oh, he was, uh, um, he was, yeah, he was away <laughs> shooting something, but I went up for it and it was, it was yeah. a lot of fun. And, and, yeah. uh, so it's a cool kind of thing, but yeah, they, they recognize, you know, our accomplishments and to, to think of, put it in perspective as well. You think about, you know, two kids growing up, um, in a small town like that that had the same dream and both somehow made it happen. And we were kind of a support system for each other along the way as well. But yeah. it's kind of, you know, a crazy thing that, that it, it really is strange, but it was, it's a cool story as well. No, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a made for, it's a Hallmark movie. I mean, it is right. It, really. Yeah. You think about it, the script and people would say, Oh, come on. That's, that's, there's no way it could be that, you know, two guys from this little town, they have a dream and then they they not just one because both of them <laughs> reached right. this right. unbelievable success in professional right. wrestling. I mean, it is. It's, I it's really hard to even fathom. I know, and it's funny too. Growing up, that we had, um, you know, we were close to the the Western New York yeah. border, yeah. Buff, Buffalo, Niagara mm-hmm. Falls, New York, being the closest, probably about 90, 90 miles away from where we grew up. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we got Buffalo, New York stations. So we got right. lucky in the sense that, you know, the, the WWF at the time shows would come on at noon on the Buffalo channel and then 1 p.m. on the Canadian channel, completely different shows. So we had two hours worth of wrestling on Saturday afternoons where I got to see you doing the, uh, the updates yeah, and let me know what, uh, what superstars were coming to what town. So I grew up with you. And I wasn't wearing pants then either. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah, but, if I don't but, know. You know, before we, though, get into the uh, – because I wanted to talk about, of course – what everybody's talking about, the Edge and Christian show. But since we got on the track here with you guys and growing up, and I, mm-hmm. the big question is is why you reneged on that Ninja Star. Uh, yeah. You were supposed well, to sell it, and I, no one right. has really given me the answer. Well, I didn't really want to sell it. Oh, that it was, was the thing. It was a ploy to yeah. get friends because oh. I just moved to this town. I moved to Orangeville from a smaller town that was called Grand Valley that had about 8,000 people in mm-hmm. it. And... You know, I was the new kid and, you know, everyone's kind of, um, you know, curious about this new kid that, that's in class and, and um, you know, just talking and I just kind of randomly had said, hey, I have this ninja throwing star if anybody wants to throw it. <laughs> so, you know, on recess, we'd have this ninja throwing star and we'd throwing it in the trees and stuff like that. And everybody kind of wanted their turn with it. And, and uh, you know, I kind of had said, you know, I, I was thinking about selling it. Yeah. If anybody, you know, if anybody wants move. to buy it, yeah, yeah good move. And yeah. then I said, hey, you know, anybody want, you know, come over to my house. I had this, I had this wood shed in the backyard, and used to just throw it, stand there and throw it against the shed. So, you know, after schools, I'd have, you know, four or five, six kids in the backyard, and we'd all be taking turns throwing this ninja throwing star, and then people making bids on it and stuff like that. And it kind of whittled down to Adam, kind of being the the last guy that really wanted it. <laughs> and um, like I said, I didn't really want to sell it, yeah. so I kind of pulled it off the table. Oh. And um, I was like, "Look, you know, if you want to stay my friend, you can throw it anytime you want." But you know, I'm, I'm not selling it. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a one of a kind. I, I it's a one it. of a kind. But but from that, you know, Adam and I started talking about you know our interests, and and we both happen to be big fans of wrestling. 
and that was kind of what brought us together as as friends after the uh the ninja star fiasco we um we became friends because of wrestling yeah it is really amazing though that that you guys are somehow uh end up on this plot of earth with the same interests and uh when did you know the the dream i don't know if it was early on for you that uh, of becoming an actual professional wrestler when did this start to become serious with you guys well i think that you know we always you know like any kid you know you sit in the side yard and you dream and you talk about you know we'd always um you know we we used to draw up like wrestling cards yeah. and like dream dream matches you know wrestlers from awa and from nwa and from wwf and we'd put these matchups we never thought we'd see happen. Like we'd have like Scott Hall versus Hulk Hogan. And mm. when Scott Hall was big in AWA and mm. we do all these, we'd write these car, these dream cards up and then we'd perform the matches in the living room. And, you know, I'm not condoning anybody, you know, try that stuff at home and we didn't do, get too crazy, but we kind of put the match together. Okay. This guy's going to win. This guy's going to lose. And we do the match. Mm. And, um, you know, from that, you know, we, we just started to, just you know, and Adam was very very good at art, so he would start drawing pictures of us as a tag team. We give each other tag, we give tag team names, and he would go draw us with the outfits and those sorts of things. And um, at one point, a couple of small wrestling promotions, you know, rolled through town, and a couple of independent promotions. And uh, we somehow found out there was a local promoter involved. That he owned the the motel down the street, so we went down and we we kind of hung around there, hoping to get a glimpse of the wrestlers. And we met him, and we were just like, look, if they're you know, we'd love to come and help with the show any way we can mm-hmm. um and he said well, why don't you come up and you know you can set up the seats for us hmm. so we went obviously you know your independent promotion anything you can get for free you get it right so you know, we set up all the 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 um the chairs around ringside and you know it was general admission so people were lined up at the door and you know people just rushed in and grabbed whatever seat they could take and because we helped he said hey you know you guys don't have to go out and line up just take take whatever seats you guys want uh-huh. So, of course, we took the front row seats and at intermission, <clears throat> I don't even know what we were thinking, but we just kind of looked at each other and had this look in our eyes and neither one of us said anything. And we just slid into the we slid into the ring at, at intermission. <laughs> and we did something where, you know, I think I might have thrown him off the ropes and reversed it and elbowed him or something. And then, like, he stopped me and went up in the second rope and came off with an axe handle and the crowd reacted they popped like the, they popped yeah. like, and that was like the first taste of it and it was wow. next thing you know we see we see security running down the aisle and they grab <laughs> us and, they grab us and pull us out and, and they're like look sit in your seats if you get up again you know you're gone so That's but so we got fun. that we got that taste of it yeah you know, well we, all we got, those historians out there who uh, think they know what your first matches were no that was i it. know right that was it in front of a live yeah, audience and, <laughs> yeah but that was but that was the seed that was planted you know and yeah. And early on, getting that reaction, and from a live crowd, you're like, "Whoa, yeah. hold on a second, what was that?" And um, so we just we just knew that we wanted to do this somehow, and um, you know, we we just kept kind of plugging away at it, and eventually, Adam had gotten, uh, I think he's probably he probably talked about it on your podcast earlier, where he wrote a um, um, an essay into a wrestling school of why he wanted to be a wrestler. There was a competition in a Toronto newspaper, and he won the competition. Uh, he didn't have a, a vehicle at the time, so a lot of the times I would borrow my mom's car and drive him down to his wrestling training, and I would just, because of that, I was allowed to kind of sit in the classes, and I just kind of watch and didn't realize at the time that I was almost learning by just watching. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it was probably a year, year and a half after after that when we went to college, 
um, I took a portion of my student loan money and paid for wrestling school because uh, I was flat broke and I knew that my parents wouldn't pay for it. Yeah. So um, I didn't eat much or uh, or buy new books that semester. You know, mm-hmm. bought some used books and and ate a lot of uh, macaroni and cheese and uh, and pasta and cheap things and potatoes and stuff like that. But I paid for my wrestling school, and um, it was funny because I walked in. And I was trained by a guy named Ron Hutchison, who's um, you know really really great uh, coach. Yeah, oh, uh, Sully's he, he, gym he, is that? It was called Sully's gym. Yeah. yeah. No, and, so and, at that point was had was Christian. I mean, uh, uh, was uh, Edge Adam ahead of you in the training, and then you know you came in, or, or were you able to shortly after you know that he started with the uh, winning those those uh, the training? Yeah, no, it was probably it was probably about a year, year and a half. I was oh, behind. Really? So, yeah, he okay. was so he was pretty far ahead of me. But like I said, I was sitting in on these classes watching, mm-hmm. not realizing at the time, but just by absorbing everything and watching what they were doing, the drills they were doing, and how they were doing it, that I was actually learning before I even got in the ring. Wow. And uh, you know, I used to talk to all the other guys that were training and things like that. And it was funny because the first day that I walked in and and Ron said, "Oh, you're going to try this now," and I said, "Yeah." And he said, okay, well, this is the cost for the training, and chances are you're probably not going to make it. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you still want to do this? Yeah. I said, absolutely, sign me up. And, um, you know, I, I feel like um, because of, you know, the help that I had from watching them and getting to know all the other guys, that uh, I picked it up really quickly. And uh, I trained for about nine months before I had my first match. Yeah, but before all that, when, uh, when this is going on, like you said, you're basically watching, but are mm-hmm. you, uh, you know, lifting are you getting you know trying to get bigger uh or, yeah of course yeah. I, was, I was a small i was a small kid yeah. and i kind of had a growth spurt like between 11th and 12th grade and you know I sprouted up to about six feet six foot one which i am now mm-hmm. and um yeah of course i was a skinny kid so trying to yeah i was in the gym working out that was part of it we actually started train we started going to the gym um even a couple years before adam started training just because we knew that was part of it. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of had to look the part right. and, um, you know, but, but from that also realizing that, you know, I was never going to be a guy that was six foot five, six foot six, 250 or 60 pounds. Um, but try to look the part as much as you can and, uh, and, and be good in other ways. And when I started training it, it, I realized pretty quickly as well that, like I said, I'm not going to get by on my size. Yeah. So I needed to kind of just not focus on being great on one thing. I needed to be good at everything, and that's kind of how I approached it. Yeah, you know, and that, that that's fortunate that you did that because a lot of guys that maybe have the size think that's all they're going to need. Mm-hmm. And as you quickly realize when you get to a certain level that if you can't cut a promo, if you, can't, mm-hmm. if you don't know how to sell, and, you know, having things set against you in a sense with size-wise that, that you realized early on, uh, maybe in a different way, in a backwards way, but it certainly – made a big difference in uh how fast you came along right yeah it, it did and at the time too it kind of was land of the giants you know it was unheard yeah. of there was very very few guys um that were my size but that I, I tried to look at guys like Shawn michaels and bret hart and even before that or even um you know the one two three kid uh guys like that that i kind of relate to and see what they were doing mm-hmm. and how they were standing in there making it believable uh, so I really started to study like Owen Hart, guys like that. Yeah. So that I knew that physically they were pretty close to to what I was at or where, what I was going to be when I fully developed. So um, those were the kind of guys that I tried to 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 study and watch. 
Now, you know, and I don't remember when, with my conversation with Adam if, what he was doing at that time, but was he out there in the independent circuit while you were doing this? And or, or, where was yeah, he at? He, what level was he at at this point? Yeah, he, like I said, he was he was he was out there doing shows, and it's not like independent wrestling now, where you could probably go to an independent show somewhere every single day of the week. Yes. At that time, you know, business was kind of down across the board, mm-hmm. so you were lucky if you got two shows a month. So we were realistically, you know, working one two days a month. But at that time, like I said, I wasn't getting booked on anything because I had no experience. So a lot of times. What I'd do is, like I said, I became friendly with all the guys that were in there that were working shows. Yeah. And when they were going to do shows, I would just jump in the car and go along for the ride with them. And I would talk to the promoter and say, hey, yeah, you know, whatever, if there's a spot for me on the show or something like that. Um, you know, I, I would get in there. Um, but uh, the Sully's gym had a pretty good reputation of putting out good talent. So um, when they, they knew that I was I was trained under Ron, um, more times than not, they were more willing to put me on a show. Yeah, and and so for like I mentioned before, people don't really understand how it worked in Canada then. Um, and you, mm-hmm. as I said, you had these provinces: Ontario, uh, you're close by, you got Quebec and, and Manitoba. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that where the shows were in those you know provinces, or did you cross over into the states for yeah, we shows? Cro- yeah, a lot of times there was um, there were shows in the Toronto area. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at smaller places like London and Woodstock and. London, Ontario, not England. Yeah, um, <laughs> what these, a long these, road trip. Yeah, so or <laughs> the, we started. Yeah, we started doing a little bit of stuff in upstate New York mm-hmm. and across the border in Michigan and, and things like that. So there was it was all, all up in that kind of that area, the places where you could drive to. Um, but there was, you know, that's 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 what we would do. This is is kind of whenever there was a spot show, we would we would make our our calls and try to get on there. You know, and uh, it, that period of your development is really important. I mean, I'm sure everybody's anxious to try and get to a, you know, an elite level. Mm-hmm. But um, for you, was that, and I don't know how long, it wasn't very long, but um, how much did that help you doing those kinds of things where you're doing these these uh, spot shows, picking up in many different places, so you're putting a thousand different situations when you're in the ring? Yeah, I still think ring time is important, you know, especially when you're at that level and you're learning, um, as well, much road time is, too, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but any, any time you can get in the ring, yeah. um, with somebody that's, you know, better than you or has more experience than you, you do it. And so what a lot of t- we do is we had a camcorder at the time and we'd set it up or with one, when one person's match was over, they'd take the camcorder and, and record the other person's match. So we'd always, we were always recording our matches mm-hmm. and we go back and we sit down either alone or, or as, as friends. And we'd all sit down and kind of break these matches down and what we did well, what we didn't do so well and what we can do better. And, and we're always constantly, um, had a thirst for knowledge. You know, we were just trying to get better. And, you know, anytime we had a chance to, to meet somebody who had made it or been there, you know, I would ask a ton of questions to the point of maybe even being annoying about it. But, um, I think that, the people that I came across along the way, guys like Rick Martell and Bad News Brown and, and these sorts of people, I think they appreciated the thirst for knowledge and were more willing to give back because they realized um, that there was something there, that there was something more than just wanting it to be a hobby. You know, I didn't get into this to, to, for it to be a hobby. I didn't get into the wrestling hobby. I got into the wrestling business. It's how I wanted to to make a living, and 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 it's what I wanted to be. Um, it's it's where I, I want to leave my mark. Yeah. And you mentioned these some of these names you just mentioned Martel and Bad News Brown, which were uh, you know Canadian uh, 
wrestlers. Um, and I always, I, I tell people the story when we were uh, in one of the shoots and you were talking about, you know, how, you know, you would go up to these people, let's say you'd see them in a gym or something, <laughs> the story yeah. that you're talking about, that you're like your first encounters with uh, these guys. And I think, you, I can't remember who it was you were talking Angela about. Angela Mosca, yeah. And, yeah, and you said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a professional wrestler too. Or t- what's the story? <laughs> Oh, yeah. So there was this funny story where um, when I had been trained. So uh, the first kind of encounter was the small town that I grew up in, Orangeville. They opened a gym. And one of the investors in the gym was was Angelo Mosca, who was a wrestler and who was a legendary Canadian football player. And he lived in a town, a couple towns over. um, And we always saw him in there. And he was larger than life, just this huge man, you know, and but sweetest guy. And Adam and I would just talk his ear off. And we talked about wrestling. And we, uh, there was times where I brought magazines in with him in it because I collected wrestling yeah. magazines and and showed them. And and uh, he was always really cordial to us. Always, you know, never said you can't do it or anything like that. And um, you know, he always kind of encouraged us and things like that. And and you know, he even told us how hard it was, but he always protected the business too, right? He wasn't like giving away secrets or anything like that. But he he was uh, he was really uh, helpful and really nice to us. And. Um, <clears throat> You know, it's funny because years later when I made it to WWE, he had since moved, um, I believe, to the Niagara area. Mm-hmm. And we had a we had a show in Hamilton at Cops Coliseum. And he came by. Wow. And I looked over and I saw him standing there and he looked at me. And almost he had tears in his eyes almost. And he came over and he, and he gave me this huge – like I said, he's a huge man. Yeah. And he came over and he hugged me. <laughs> and he's like – he said, you did it. He goes, I'm so, he said, I'm so proud of you. He goes, you know, you always used to come and talk my ear off in the gym. And I was like, these kids, man, like they, you know, and like, they're, they're crazy. They're, they're, they they really are into this thing. And uh, he said, but you did it. He said, I'm really, really proud of you. And that was a a pretty cool moment for me as well. But years later, um, I ran into, uh, there was uh, a show. There wasn't even a show in Toronto because we didn't know the WWE guys were there, but I guess they had a layover on their way to somewhere else and went into this bar and, there was a bunch of guys there and one of them being gold dust. Uh-huh. And so I went to the, the restroom when I came back, he was standing there talking to somebody and I thought, Oh, this is my opportunity to let him know that I'm, I'm in the fraternity. You know, yeah, I'm one a, of the guys. I'm one of the boys. Yeah. 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 So I kind of give him a little nudge on the shoulder and he turns around and, uh, he's like, Hey, I said, Hey man. <laughs> and I went, I thought I was being really cool. I went yeah. K fabe. <laughs> And he just, he just, he just, he just, he just is staring at me. And, uh, and I went, I, I kind of put my hand up. I was like, no, it's okay. I'm a worker. And he goes, he goes, <laughs> he said, oh, cool. And he turns back around and finishes his conversation. So I was like, in my head, I'm thinking, well, that didn't quite go down as how I thought it was going to go down. So I turn around to walk away. And um, to his credit, he grabs me by the arm and he turns me around and said, hey, man, what's your, what's your wrestling name? And I said, oh, I wrestle as Christian Cage. He goes, all right, I'll keep an eye out for you. Oh. So he was really nice about it. Yeah, but the funny thing is, fast forward all these years, we're working together yeah. and we've become yeah. good friends. And I told him the story and like in front of a bunch of guys and we're all laughing. Like everybody has tears in their eyes. This story is so funny. Yeah. And um, after everybody had left and it was just him and I, and he said, was I a dick to you? Yeah. He was more he was more concerned that he was yeah. mean to me. Yeah. <laughs> and he wouldn't let it go. He's like, really? I feel like I was a jerk to you. And I said, Listen, let me put it to you this way. I said, if the roles were reversed, you were a lot nicer to me than I would have been to you. <laughs> it was like, he's like, oh, okay. So, oh, that's a great funny. story. Yeah. But, so. you, but during, you know, the, the, your, your rise was pretty quick. I mean, we're talking about four years from the time you step into the ring to train, right? Until yeah. you're in the World Wrestling Federation. 
Yeah, it was it was pretty quick. It was about yeah, a little over four years, I guess. Um, That's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I guess I you know timing is everything, right? And yeah. you and when the time comes, you you have to you have to take advantage of those moments because it might not come around again if you don't make an impression. Yeah. And um, you know, Adam had had he was under developmental contract at the time, right? And he they asked him to come to the infamous Montreal Screwjob pay per view and told him that he would watch the, the pay per view and then he would. We'll probably work dark matches uh, at the Raw and Smack. Uh, sorry, it was Raw back to back. They they did a, a, a live Raw and they taped Raw uh, at that time the next night to show the next week. And he, of course, like I said, he didn't have a car, so he's like, "Can you drive me to Montreal and Ottawa and then Cornwall for this other Raw?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." Yeah. So wrestler rule: you never you never leave without your gear in the trunk, brother. Uh-huh. So you know, I, I packed my bag up, threw it in the trunk. And went along with them. And then on Tuesday, somebody came up to me and said, hey, did you bring your gear? I said, of course I did. And I said, okay, would you mind wrestling Adam in the in the dark match? And I was like, no, not at all. Uh-huh. So he and I wrestled the dark match. And Jim Cornette had come up to me after the match. I think he was probably the only one that had watched it. But he was pretty excited about the match. Hmm. And um, he said, you know, we're starting to do these uh, these training camps down at the, the, the head office in Stanford. You know, I'd love to get you on one. So... Um, you know, we, we kind of had uh, exchanged numbers. And then, um, you know, I would just call him like every month and just kind of let him know where I was working, who I was working with and what I was up to. And just, you know, like I said, once a month, I would call him just to stay on his radar. Yeah. And then, and then um, I came home late from the gym one night. It was probably like 11, 11.30 in the evening. And uh, there was a, you know, a handwritten message from my mom on the on the kitchen table that said, uh, Jim Cornette called to call him back. Doesn't matter what time. So I pick up the phone and call him. I get his answering machine. I start leaving a message. You know, he picks up the uh, picks up the other end. He's like, "God damn it, kid! Where have you been? I'm trying to get hold of you." <laughs> and I was like, well, "I was at the gym." He's like, "Oh, okay, it's all right then." So then he kind of um, had told me that they'd like to get me down for a camp. And um, eventually, after uh, a month or so, um, I got down there. And um, like I said, I had about twelve guys there. The first, you know, the first. The first training camp that I went to, and they, they, you know, they hired me from from that. Wow, were you ready in your in your mind at the time? I don't, what was your well level in my mind? I was. Yeah, yeah I, I well, I knew that I was far from a, a finished product, yeah. but I, I felt like, as far as being a prospect was concerned, I felt like I was ready. Um, I think I, I felt that I was starting to uh, kind of gaining a buzz on the independent circuit. Um, you know, back in that time was kind of at the infancy of the internet, so. Um, and obviously there was no social media. So yeah. the way to get your name out there was to me in those pro wrestling illustrated magazines, you know, kind of in the middle, they always had little write-ups of what was going on in the independent scene of where different shows were. And I, in my mind, I was like, well, if I see that I'm wrestling in Canada and Michigan and New York and Pennsylvania and all these other places, yeah. they'll think, oh, wow, this guy must be good. He's all over the place. He's all over the world here. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we got, we, Adam and I had done a couple tours of Japan before he, uh, had signed with WWE as well. So, um, yeah, in my mind, I was, I was ready. To, I knew that I had a long way to go, but I was, I was ready to, to take the step, I think, in my mind. And, um, I felt, um, you know, not trying to sound arrogant or anything, but I felt like I was the best one at that camp. And my mindset was nobody here is going to be better than me and nobody's going to outwork me. And that was the, that was the thought process that I had at the camp. And, um, you know, they offered me a, a developmental contract before the week was over. Yeah. Well, I, and I hope people who are listening, because we, we get a lot of people who would, you know, are aspiring to uh, get into the business. And uh, 
I hope that what they're hearing here is, I mean, it's it, it, every step along the way here, uh, you know, along your career that you were always thinking differently than other people or what could I do to, you know, instead of maybe taking notes from other people, but it seems like you were always, and both of you guys, were always looking uh, to do something different, what was going to set you apart. And and in every aspect, uh, you know, you can sit there and say it was luck or this came and of course, you know, and, and uh, Edge being there, but you get a foot in the door, it doesn't mean you go through it. And, and, uh, right. Is that kind of always been your philosophy? Do you remember? I mean, probably as a, even a kid with the ninja star. Yeah. <laughs> you had I a mean, different angle. Yeah. I mean, I just, I had this vision in my head that, that there was something more for me mm-hmm. from a young age. Yeah. And like, I just couldn't picture myself sitting behind a desk. I just, I couldn't do it. And uh, I remember in school, they had asked us to, do this to draw a picture or something to that effect of of you know a career that we wanted to to have and kind of tell the story in a picture or something like that and i remember went up going up to my teacher and being like you know i'm either going to be a pro hockey player or a pro wrestler i haven't decided yet <laughs> and they just looked at, and the teacher looked at me like i had two heads like yeah. almost saying like you can't just do that yeah. you know but in my mind it's like well why not yeah and um yeah, that was just the, the, the like I said, I always felt like there was there was something more. And, and what really reaffirmed that to me was um, after I finished college, I had to pay back the student loan. Yeah. And obviously, and obviously, you know, wrestling, wrestling once or twice a month for 175, you know, 75 bucks, 100 bucks, 125 if you're lucky, yeah. wasn't going to pay the bills. Right. So I had to have a regular job. And my first job was working at a wood mill. Oh, and man. it was one of those terrible jobs where yeah, I had to be there right. at seven and I worked till four thirty or five in the afternoon and it was just grunt work. And I remember yeah. going in there and they took me in on my first day and, um, they said, okay, look, this is the saw that you use as a table saw. You push the pedal, the saw comes up, keep your fingers away from it. It'll cut your fingers off. Yeah. You, you cut this wood down to this measurement. You slide to the end when the, when the, um, the skid at the end is full, you wrap it up, you put the barcode on it, ring this bell, somebody will come and take it away. Yeah. They trained me for 10 minutes. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there and I'm working. So I see two or three other people working at their stations that are the same as mine. So we go up for lunch and everyone's just kind of sitting around talking. And the two other guys, they're sitting there talking about how long they'd been there. One guy had been there like 15 years. The other guy had been there like 25, 26 years. And in my head, I'm like, I just got trained for 10 minutes for a job that these two guys have been doing for this amount of time. Yeah. I, I can't do this. Like, I need to make it. So... Um, it was a real kick in the ass, yeah. so to speak, that, look, you know, you, you have to give this everything because nothing is going to be handed to you. And how I'll get through those days is I would think of matches. I would think of storylines. I would think of outfits. I would just think of anything wrestling related to get me through those days wow. and, you know, make enough money to pay, <laughs> make these student loan payments. And not end up being called lefty. <clears throat> Yeah, right. <laughs> like the guy that was there for 26 <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah. So, so uh, but the, when you do get to the, the WWE, um, and not long after, you're the you know, light heavyweight champion. Right, uh, yeah, my first match. That, that, that's another, I mean, you know, I saw people come in there and just if they could be a, uh, you know, a high-level enhancement uh, <clears throat> talent, they were happy. And they did that for years. What do you think it was? And and uh, maybe luck played a part in it, but they gave you uh, a hell of a push coming in. Yeah, I mean, they uh, luckily I came in. It wasn't just you know it could be one of those things where they just throw you out there, be like, okay, sink or swim. You know, you're out there. You're you're this. 
go do it with no fanfare, no vignettes, no introduction. You know, you're just out there. Mm-hmm. And for me, I got lucky because Adam was had started on TV a few months prior to that and had started an angle with Gangrel. Yeah. And I guess when they saw my footage and knew the history of Adam and I growing up together and how we kind of look similar with the long blonde hair and all those sorts of things, they yeah. come up with this idea of putting me as Edge's, you know, long lost brother with Gangrel and Gangrel had this spell over me and kind of use it to kind of enhance their, their angle and put a little bit more um, layers to it. So I'd, I'd gotten really, really lucky as far as coming into something that had a cool entrance, um, something that they were invested in as far as putting some TV time into this and um, coming in with, with a character, uh, you know, in, in the brood. And so that helped me out tremendously as far yeah. as getting my feet wet and also working with a guy with, like Gangrel who'd been all over the world, had so much experience. And then working with my best friend, Adam, we had that comfort level. It just helped eat, make the process a lot easier. Yeah. And, and, and it sounds like, uh, you know, Gangrel was, was, uh, a good mentor. I mean, it's, did uh, you learn a lot from him? Yeah, he did. And, and, you know, we've since, you know, in the past couple of years, you know, he had kind of been told that, not, that, Hey, we see something in these kids. We're putting them with you to kind of, you know, almost help us out as far as, you know, with the other uh, veterans in the locker room and right. give us some credibility yeah. and also kind of guide us and, 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 and nurture us and, and, and help kind of mold us. Yeah. And what, what a great time to come in there, though, too. You're ta- I mean, you think of the, the, the talent roster, uh, you know, with the Attitude Era there. I mean, The Rock and, and Steve Austin and Degeneration X. And, I mean, when talk about a, a crowded uh, ring, in a sense, and then yet to still uh, stand out. Uh, what do you remember of that period of time and coming in and, and really being able to keep, keep it together when you're around these guys that are just, uh, you know, I mean – WWE yeah. was so mainstream again. I know. So, and, and, and same kind of scenario, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, we, they decided to break the brood up with, at, at, a, at a time where I thought it might be a little too soon. And I, obviously, I was a little bit nervous because, like I said, I felt like I still had some growing to do. Yeah. And, and I was like, man, if they break this up, then what? You know, then am I floundering or what am I doing? Or, or that, those started to creep in. But then when I realized they were going to keep Adam and I together, yeah. there was still kind of that, that comfort level. And then luckily, you know, we just gelled instantly with the Hardy boys who were kind of in the same situation as us. And they kind of threw us together because we were these, these young up and comers and it was lightning in a bottle. You know, we just, we went out there and had these exciting matches. We didn't have a ton of mic time. And as singles guys, we knew we weren't getting anywhere near the top of the card yeah. with guys like Mick Foley, like yeah. you said, triple H, the rock stone cold, Steve Austin, the Undertaker, you know, it was just so stacked at the time. We knew we weren't getting near there. So how do we make our mark? Mm-hmm. Well, we can help reestablish the tag team division that had been kind of stagnant yeah. for years. I was just going to say that and, because when I was yeah. there, they, you know, I think half the roster was tag teams. So, so. Right, right. And and so we, we really put an emphasis on, hey, let's use this as our platform. Mm-hmm. Let's help each other. And... You know, we, we started to do that. We started to get great feedback on our matches and to the point where, hey, you know, like even on live events and stuff like that, and to the point where we had the confidence in ourselves to finally go in and kind of pitch an idea, which was um, the best of seven series that we ended up doing, which ended with the, the first ever tag team ladder match. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was kind of the, the moment 
that, and Matt Hardy has said this before, and I think he, he summed it up best. He said it took us from being WWE wrestlers to WWE superstars in a night, and that's what that's what it was. Yeah, and why do you think that was? It wasn't the, you know it wasn't like there hadn't been ladder matches before. Why do you think that you guys were able to take that and you know of course it evolves into you know, the TLC matches, but why? Right. Well, there there had never been a tag team ladder match up to that point. Yeah. So we kind of had thought like this would be kind of cool a first ever tag team ladder match, and we just knew the dynamic with each other. And we were just going to go out there and just put everything on the line and just make it something that people would never forget. And that was the mindset. We're going to go out there and we have all this, like I said, all this talent, all these top superstars in their prime. And we're going to go out there and we're going to steal the show. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to be able to follow this. And that was what we did. Man. And when, and when you look at those matches, my God, uh, it, it you look at what they're doing today uh, I guess, and, and some people would kind of, you know, pale. But then, you know, the stuff that you guys were doing was was really uh, unbelievable. And then it, it kind of gotten to that point uh, where we were seeing more hardcore. Right. But uh, did you guys, you know, look at it that way? Like, say, we're just going to keep setting this bar higher when we get out here. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing, too, right? When you have a match like that, the next time it happens, people expect right. something better. Yeah. And, you know, we, we also learned along the way to make them less of a car crash because they have, yeah. they have a real, they have a real, uh, there's a real possibility that just turns into that, just a spot fest, just moves, just crashing through yeah. things. Yeah. And we started to learn along the way, hey, we can tell better stories with these, even though we're doing these, these stunts, yeah. you know, we, we can put psychology in these matches. We just have to be smarter about it. Yeah. And I, I think we started to figure that out where it got, you know, we, we'd kind of save the, the bigger things, you know, do them when they mean something rather than doing them just to do them yeah. and kind of maximize the reactions that way. So I think we started to figure that out and, you know, the matches, uh, um, you know, they just kind of took on a life of their own. I, uh, and I know at the time, you know, you, you feel immortal, your body, you know, you're in the best physical condition of your life. But, uh, you know, night after night, is this where it did start taking a toll on your body and maybe uh, you the receipt came later? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I always luckily came out of them pretty unscathed. Yeah. Um, I tried not to think about what could happen in there because I didn't yeah. want to, you know, psych myself out or, or, or be nervous. And also when your adrenaline's pumping and the crowd's going crazy, you, you don't feel much, you know? Yeah. So... A lot of times after, of course, you would feel it and it hurts. And, and I know that Adam, um, with a lot of his neck problems and things like that, and I'm sure that, you know, some of my aches and pains are, are from those matches. But, you know, luckily I came, I, I, you know, I came out of them pretty unscathed. And, you know, the injuries that happened to me towards the end, I think, were more kind of fluky situations than, than anything else. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Jay, it's just it's amazing. You look back in your career, um, you know, between you and, and Adam, uh, all the championships that you guys, the titles that you guys uh, captured, um, two, two boys from Orangeville. But uh, together yeah. you, you captured, captured seven tag team championships. But I, I have to imagine, and Adam mentioned this too, that really the first time, I mean, and one that really stands out was that uh, WrestleMania uh, 2000, on, you know, and, um, when you guys won the tag team championship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause it's that, yeah, you, do you remember standing in that ring and saying, uh, I don't know if you got that deep within yourself, but going, my God, look at, look at us. Yeah. Well, there was some talk of breaking us up before that. Uh -huh. So this, and it was only, you know, four or five weeks previous that there was some, that the, the, the direction was that we were going to 
not win that match and we were going to break up right after and go our separate ways. Yeah. And the thought of that to me, like we were these kids in my, in my side yard talked about winning the tag team titles. And if it had never happened, I think it would have been a big letdown for both of us. Yeah. And the, the thought of that is like, man, you know, we've done, had all these great matches. We've, we've, we've done all these memorable things and we've never won the tag titles. And <clears throat> so the Hardy boys had, had kind of turned, you know, baby face at this point. And, you know, we, um, I think it was on Sunday night heat at the time they kind of, you know, maybe didn't pay as much attention to that as they did with the things that were going on raw. And we were working with a couple writers, a guy named Tommy Blacha and Brian Gortz. And they said, you know, we just feel like you guys, you know, you need to show your personalities and stuff that you do backstage. It's just, we think that would translate a lot better. And, you know, well, let's try it on the show and, and see what happens. So we did a sit down interview um, with the coach and they just said, look, just, we're not going to script anything. Just say what you feel. And even, even if you swear, we'll bleep it out. Don't worry about it. So we're sitting there, we're dropping F bombs and all these sorts of things. And we ended up like impromptu, just like ripping our mics off and throwing them down and walking out, which wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, the next thing you know, they, they like when they saw that, they're like, Whoa, hold on a second. We never saw the side of these guys. We didn't know they could talk like that. They threw us out on commentary yeah. and we did the same thing. We just started just saying what we felt. And, um, it kind of changed the whole thought process and, you know, I think even Vince was like, wait, hold on a second here. These guys have kind of reinvented themselves as a tag team. They're not ready to split up yet. In fact, you know, we're going to turn them heel and they're going to win these titles. Yeah. And I was going to say, I think that that yeah. was a big turning point for you guys, because I think that's when people got to really uh, be introduced to Edge and Christian. Because right. of the way, you know, the, the smart ass and the the comments and the stuff that you guys just, you know, feeding off each other, uh, you know, the five-second post. Of, I mean, it was brilliant stuff. But you'd really never yeah. gotten that chance. And, and uh, you know, so you hear the story over and over again with Rock and, and Austin that just when they let – they just let go right. uh, is when it all changed. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. And it goes back to, you know, you, you make your opportunities, but when yeah. they present themselves – you have to you have to hit it out of the park, or yeah. guess what? You're not going to get the chance again. Mm-hmm. Like if we had done that, and then it was like, eh, it was just okay. Let's just split these guys up. You know, it didn't happen. Like we knew we had to, we had to do something impactful and make a mark if we were going to continue to get the the chances to go out there. And you know, our goal was to be on every single pay per view, be on every single show, mm-hmm. and like you know, we're live every single week. And if we aren't on the show, we we aren't on the show. The show is not going to be as good. And that was our mindset. You know, we wanted to go out there and, and we wanted to be a staple of Raw and later SmackDown and be on every single pay-per-view and be in a position that mattered. Was that the best time, the, the most fun that you had uh, looking back in those in that period of time when, when that yeah. all? Because it must yeah. it sure look like it. <laughs> yeah, of course it was It was fun. You know, there's, you know, I, I kind of break my, my career up into, into different pieces because there yeah. was, you know, I had a quite a long singles run as well. But, you know, if you think about it, like I said, these two kids from a small town in Canada achieving all these things and, and you know, getting to do it with your best friend, your childhood friend, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. And getting to enjoy the ride together and be like, man, look what we're doing here. Like, this is crazy. Um. Yeah, it was it was it was a, a it was a crazy ride. It was an amazing ride, and it was yeah, it was some of the most fun that I've ever had, not only in my career but in my life. Yeah. Well, eventually they they do split you up in 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 '99, and and do you think that uh, I'm not saying that because you guys will never run out of material or being you know mm. having that spark between the two of you, but at that point in time, was it ready? Were you ready to say okay, let's 
it's time to do something different. And uh, well, we I think I think we could have ran with the team a little bit longer, yeah. but I think our mindset was let's not just get this to the point where people have seen it and be like, okay, we've seen the act. Yeah. You know, what if we get out of it early where people aren't quite ready for it yet? And then if and when the time comes back around, they're like, yes, we want to see these guys together again. It's not the same, you know, it's not the same old stale act they've seen time and time again. Like get out when it's at its highest instead of when it's starting to dip. Yeah. And that and we both had aspirations of being singles performers and seeing how far we could go. And um, I think we had just both decided at that time, like, look, we like we've won seven tag titles here. We've had all these these matches, these tag matches, whether they were ladder matches or just regular tag matches or whatever that people are going to be talking about for a long, long time. Yeah, what more can we do as a team? So what's, what's the next challenge? And that's when we, you know, we kind of were okay with the direction of, of splitting up and moving on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, you guys had a great feud there and, and, uh, the intercontinental championship, but well, uh, yeah, I mean, and that was the thing too, like with, yeah. with that, especially with, 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 with speaking from my side of it, yeah. I don't think either one of us were, were quite ready for it yet. Um, I, I know that I wasn't and um, it could have been better, but I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to go out there and kind of do the memorable things that we had been doing as a t tag team. And I think we just, we put so much pressure on ourselves. The result wasn't quite what we thought that it, it could have been. Mm -hmm. So it didn't last that long. And I, I wouldn't go as far to say that that feud was, was great, but we did, you know, we ended up having a really amazing kind of under the radar uh, cage match on a UK only pay-per-view and I think that was the best match we'd had at that point um, of that series. But it started to lay the groundwork and realize, hey, the, the hard work's just starting now. You know, getting to this point and staying here or moving up are two completely different things. You know, if we, you know, we we're, you know, we got to kind of dig our heels in here and work if we're going to make it as singles guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and especially in a world like that, I mean, success uh, means you know you have to have the ability to ability to adapt. And, uh -huh. uh, you know, classic examples like, like Jericho or, you know, and you guys were the same. I mean, here you, yeah. and, and I, uh, looking back, I would imagine you have to appreciate that time because up to that point you had been around pretty much, you know, Adam that whole time. And now you're mm -hmm. working with Lance Storm and, and, uh, you know, other people, Chris Jericho. And so was that, a, you know, as far as you developing even, even more, was that a real, that period of time? Uh, as you look back at that, that uh, that's what happened. What was that again? Sorry, you kind of. Yeah, I went all over the place on that one, didn't I? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Got to take in. You got to take. You got to yeah. have a pencil and paper sometimes with me. But I'm 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 saying that after that, when you know, up until that point with the WWE, you'd really been around Adam, and yeah. now you're you know off doing some singles, and then also working with Lance Storm and and other yeah. uh, people in the WWE. So I, I'm just wondering if that you look at that as the time you really developed even more. Yeah, I mean, after the the, the intercontinental thing with with Adam, I, I don't think there was was all that much plans for me as yeah. far as you know making. Uh, I think that they realized I was probably going to be a bigger work in progress than yeah. anyone had thought as far as you know finding my footing as a singles guy. And, and did, you, did you feel you were lost a little bit at that point? Oh yeah, I think I was just trying to trying too hard. I was trying to please yeah. everybody too hard, and I was trying to um, just throw ten ten pounds of crap in a five pound bag. You know, I was just yeah. doing too much, yeah. and I think that I was I was acting instead of reacting uh -huh. to what the crowd was giving to me and what the, the certain scenarios were in the ring. And when you know, I, I came home one day and I was dejected and I wasn't happy and. 
I was questioning myself and my abilities. And I just kind of looked in my mirror in the mirror and I said, well, I'm kind of at the lowest point here. Like the next step is getting fired. Mm-hmm. So either I'm going to step up or I'm gonna have to accept what happens to me. And I just decided at that point, look, look, just go out and do what you do. Start having fun. And whatever happens, happens. Yeah. You know, at least you know that you left it all out there. And that's what I did. I just stopped putting so much pressure on myself. I just went out and, you know, I would take advice if people gave it to me. I would use the pieces that I thought could work, you know, put the other ones to the side. And I just started being myself. And it started quickly to, to turn around for me at that point where I started to gain my confidence back. And confidence is such a big thing where I realized, hey, I can do this. I can do this really well. And there's not many people that can do what I do. So the, the uh, I don't know if you describe it as an opportunity, but going with, with TNA, did, did, was that to you a, a chance to do something different or was it, what was the, the situation yeah. then? So my, my thought process going to TNA was, um, you know, I, I felt like I kind of had hit um, sort of a roadblock in WWE as far as, um, you know, where I stood. I, I felt like I was just kind of, all right, this is where he's at. This is where he's going to be. And it just didn't seem where that much was going to change no matter what I did. And I felt like I was getting really strong reactions to having great matches and nothing was changing. And if you want to change things, you got to change it yourself. You can't expect somebody else to do it for you. So my contract was coming up and my mindset was take a chance on yourself, you know, bet on yourself like you did all those other times, Mm -hmm. go away for a few, you know, when I left, I had every intention of coming back when the time was right. Um, I just, I needed to get out of the grind um, and I needed to, to prove to myself, even if it was on a smaller platform, that I could work at the top of the card and stay there. And um, they gave me an amazing opportunity at TNA. I had a great time there. Dixie Carter was really, really good to me. Mm-hmm. I'll never say a bad, bad word about my time there. But they gave me the opportunity to prove to myself and to grow as a performer and to gain the maturity that maybe I hadn't quite had in the previous years. So when I went back, I felt like that I was more of a complete package. Yeah, and what did you and you kind of covered it there, but what did you feel like you really took away from that experience with TNA? Uh, because it sounds like you're saying that when you came back, that uh, maybe a, a lot of maturity. Uh, and yeah, also... well, well, for the like I said, it was it was a much smaller platform, yeah. but I was working at the top of the card yeah. consistently, and I was you know carrying storylines and matches and these sorts of things, and um, I just needed to know for myself that I could, I could do it and that people cared about it. And, um, it just gave me that confidence. But I also realized that being on that WWE schedule, mm-hmm. I didn't have a time to really figure out who I was as a person. I've been on the road since I was 24 years old yeah. and I just needed to just even, you know, cause at the time I was working four or five days a month for TNA. It gave me some time to be home and to be a, a real person and to, and to mature as a person and, and figure my myself out who I am and what I am. So when I went back, I was a much more mature person. I was able to handle certain situations differently than I did the first time. So was it always in the back of your mind, though, that you would go back? Or Yeah. When I, the day that I left WWE, I knew I was going to come back. Yeah. I felt like I, I needed to go, to go away to come back and be better. I had to bet on myself. So that's what I did. And, and when that uh, – had you always kind of stayed in contact with them or more than like closer to 2009 well, you started that conversation? Yeah. Um, well, I think that, um, yeah, I still obviously had a lot of friends there. Um, you know, obviously when I'm, when you're under contract with one company, you can't talk, but, um, um, yeah, there was some, some, uh, my contract was coming up with TNA and, um, you know, kind of 
it just came back around in this and the, the timing was right. And so when my contract with DNA ended, um, yeah, we had some, some conversations and it worked out and I went back. Yeah. And it, and it worked out pretty well. I mean, you come back and, uh, become the ECW champ. Um, and then, but really, uh, was there a conversation that, and, and I, I've, a lot of people say it, but did you ever have a conversation with Vince saying, you know, is there a chance I might get a shot at the heavyweight championship or, or was that just, you know, see what no, I, there was no, there was no guarantees at all yeah. as far as, um, um, as far as, you know, what was gonna, what it was going to be. Yeah. And, um, I didn't ask for any guarantees either. You know, I came back with every intention of, of, of putting in the work and proving myself. Um, I didn't expect to come back and have anything handed to me. And when they, you know, when they called me and told me, I know there's a couple of different scenarios that were on the table, but when they called me and told me, Hey, we're going to bring you back to ECW. We want you to be kind of the top guy in that show. I was like, great, let's do it. I just wanted to get back and get my feet wet and kind of earn the trust back. Um, and show, and I, and I knew that it'd be a good platform because if I was going to be the guy that carried that show again, yeah. step in, prove that you can carry a show and then, and then move on. So that's how I viewed it. Yeah. And what was different when you went back? As far as uh, the company itself, uh, you know, how you, you came back into it uh, as for, opposed to when you left. Yeah. I mean, when I came back, it was, you know, a lot of, it, it doesn't really change much, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's, it was still kind of, um, like I said, I still had a lot of friends there, so I, I kind of knew what was going on and those sorts of things. And, you know, I was still, you know, when you walk back in, you see all the same faces and you just pick up where you left off yeah. as far as, you know, everybody backstage and those sorts of things. And I had a really good conversation with Vince on my first day back. And, um, you know, we had that chat. I think that helped a lot as well. And, um, you know, we just kind of, uh, said, let's do this. Let's get going. And, uh, after winning so many titles, when you, you did capture the, the, heavyweight championship as the, mm -hmm. against uh, Orton and um what did that mean to you uh, you know after all the all you had accomplished yeah i mean it was it was big for me cuz you know adam obviously had to retire kind of abruptly after his neck right. issues and then he was feuding with del rio so i kind of stepped into his spot and you know for me to win the world title uh with him there was really big for me you know it kind of um was validating in a sense that all the hard work that I'd put in, you know, some people step in and it happens really quickly for them. For me, it had been a grind and I didn't have a problem grinding. You know, every day I showed up with the mindset today, they're going to know how good I am. And that's what I did every, every, every time I performed. And, uh, it's no different, you know, it was, it was validating and it was exciting. And, um, you know, I'm glad I had a chance to, to, to be the world champion twice. Yeah. And, uh, as at, at this point, did, the the had the injury started taking their toll were you were you starting to feel like okay you know adam's out he had to step away uh and that you know you were getting close to that that point in your career or did you just think i can go on for you know another five to six years yeah um you know i i'd gotten a, the, the the pec tear that happened and that was kind of a fluky situation but I had the, the surgeon repair that and came back and felt good and then it was my ankle after that, which I happened on a baseball slide, another fluky oh. situation. I had a really bad high ankle sprain. Um, uh, the doctor actually told me it would have been better if I just broken it. 
(laughs) but that was that was kind of then you know the concussion thing started to happen you know and and i never had any injury issues before and i got the concussion and then i got in a couple more and it started to become more frequent and you know from talking with neurologists and things like that they just said look it's it's like any boxer you know you can get hit so many times and nothing happens but once you get that that one it becomes much easier and you become more susceptible to them and um you know at the end you know i was having a, a baby girl and um just had kind of decided that, look, you know, at some point here, when's enough? You know, I, 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 I'd like to in 15 years be able to sit down and have a conversation with my daughter right. clearly than, than, than push it too far. And, and like I said, if I had been, you know, 29 or 30 and that had happened, um, it might have been a different story, but I was about to be 40. So I, I just looked at the scope of my career and I was satisfied and, and happy and I'd accomplished pretty much everything that I ever set out to accomplish. And um, there was really nothing left to prove on my end. I, I didn't feel. Yeah, and uh, in in March of, of 2014, that that uh, on Raw when you had that uh, that fatal four way, um, mm-hmm. how bad was that concussion? I mean, did you know when that was over? Like that, this is a yeah. I mean, it was a concussion, so it's never it's never good. Yeah, no. but uh, <laughs> but I did. I, you know, I I got rattled. And yeah. and I knew right away something wasn't right. Um, how did, it, how did it happen? Where was the? the I got well. I got kicked blow? in. I, I got I got kicked in the head, yeah. and it was just one of those things that happens. And yeah. um, you know, and uh, but you know, I didn't lose consciousness or anything. But I definitely knew something wasn't right. And I know it just that was kind of the the last one where everyone kind of decided. You know, after you know, we 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 didn't decide right away, but it was one of those ones over a certain amount of months. Everyone just kind of like, look, okay, let's just let's just um, put a button on this, and, and uh, that's that. Yeah, but it was it was kind of it was leading up to a, a big payoff. I mean, at WrestleMania. So was it really was it really hard for you? Were you did you were you thinking of kind of one more? No, no, no those those no, those thoughts never kept into my mind. Like I said, it's one of those ones where if it if I had been a little younger, maybe I'd been a what if, what if, what if. But or if you hadn't done all the things you had done. <laughs> Right. I try. Yeah. What else I did you have to, left to prove? Yeah. I just, I try not to live in what ifs, you know, it's, yeah. it was more like what's next, what's the next challenge. Let's move on. And that's kind of almost like, you know, you said, you know, one door closes, another one opens and, you know, here we are with the Edge and Christian show. And um, that's a great transition because uh, you guys uh, have been very busy since, since uh, leaving uh, the uh, the ring, we should say, but, but you guys, the, the, the tag team is still together. Um, and uh, the Edge and Christian show back for the second season. Of course, the uh, critics are raving about the one that's out lately, uh, the Moonies. Uh, yeah, why not? So, You're in it. I mean, what an incredible experience for you to have uh, been able to uh, share that stage with me. I know it was uh, something that you two will cherish for your life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, well, I mean, we obviously had you on in the first season, had a ton of fun. Yeah. And we knew after that, like, I mean, you got what the show was right away and had a, and it seemed like, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but it felt like you had a blast and right, we all had this, had this chemistry and had a lot of fun. So we were sitting down to write the second season. We're like, we need to do something with Mooney again because it was too much fun. And that's when we kind of came up with the whole concept for the Moonies. And, you know, with, you know, you gave that funny line about not having any pants. And then of course, Gene saying, holy balls. Um, so we, we kind of thought we'd do like a, like a, like a throwback, you know, reminding people that you, you know, you still didn't have your pants and we do a search for your pants and, and, you know, and it was what it was, but I mean, the second season, uh, like I said, we really had a 
time to really sit down. We wrote the entire show before we even started a production on it. And, um, you know, we knew what the show was going into the second season. So, um, whereas in the first season, it took us a few episodes to kind of get the traction and get the, get the feel for what the show was. And like I said, people seemed to really enjoy it. And, um, you know, they let us put the, push the envelope a little bit and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a show that's strictly for wrestling fans. It's written for wrestling fans and it's a variety show with a wrestling theme. That's what it is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just been a lot of fun to, to, to be a part of that process and learn a different side of entertainment. Yeah. And, and it's just total insanity. And, um, you know, I knew what the, the, what was going on with Moonies, but folks also within this, uh, spoof are a bunch of other little vignettes that are in there that are just really funny. Um, and, uh, how many episodes are in this season for season two? Cause there's a bunch you've do, this is like the second episode. So there's a lot more to come. Yeah. Um, well there's, there's 10 episodes yeah. this season and, um, obviously, you know, a lot of, a lot of hijinks, a lot of <laughs> silliness. Um, but you know, like I said, it's, it's, we just, we really tried to, to make it a fun show and I really wanted to the, 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 the superstars that were coming on to have a good time because there's so much pressure as well going out and performing on, on live TV and live pay-per-views, you know, kind of take that pressure off and just let them let their hair down for a little bit and have some fun and show a different side, even if they're playing against, you know, what their character is on, on, on television, just, you know, let's, let's all just have some fun and, and have like a, you know, there, there's so much room for everyone. As you know, you know, we ad libbed and, yeah. um, and those sorts of things. And we just, we just try to make it, and we think when people are having fun, that'll come across to the viewer as well, that God, these guys are really enjoying doing this. Everybody's having a good time and that's what it's about. Yeah. And, and what's great too, folks is in the show is uh, I, I can't believe how you, you, there's so many personalities on it. I don't know if there's anybody I missed, but what you got them to do and, and everybody that was involved in this, I don't think they said, well, like, yes, I'm sure I'll put on a dress. I'll, you know, <laughs> whatever you want me to do, because it was, it was like, we're a bunch of kids. And I, I'm sure that was like that in every episode. But I remember we're on the, uh, the dock uh, where Carlito pulls up his massive ship. Uh, <laughs> and, and these, these people are, are going out to their yacht or something and they see us on the deck and we've got, you know, everybody in the costumes, we got the, fake rubber swords and, and they just yeah. look at us and I just said, uh, we'll explain later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you have yeah. to imagine somebody seeing this, you know, yeah. grown men and, and women, Vicky was there and, uh, yeah. Yeah. uh, just, but it was a blast. It yeah, really yeah. was fun. And yeah. I people and it's funny that. too. Yeah, I do. And it seems like, you know, like I said, it's, it's getting, you know, all the, the reviews on, on the first two shows have been really positive. People yeah. are really enjoying it. And yeah, it's funny. Like I said, when you go out and you do stuff out in public, people are thinking like, what are these people doing? Like, yeah, yeah you know, my but, God. You know, yeah, but we're, you know, we're having fun. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, like I said, you know, with the, the whole time you were there shooting with us, we were laughing, like even when we weren't rolling, we're all just joking around, laughing, having a good time. And, uh, you know, that's that's what we want. That's what we were trying to do. Yeah, and you mentioned the ad libbing and and the uh, another line with it, which was great, and it's it made the cut. Is uh, you were wearing the members only jacket, and Santino says that's a fine looking jacket you're wearing, <laughs> and that that was just like off the cuff. Yeah. You guys did that, yeah. and, and I, I can't remember. You said yes, it's quite comfortable and breathes. Yeah, I said, it's, I said it's I said it's surprisingly breathable. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. Well, folks, you got it. You got to yeah. check it out. Um, and also you've become, uh, you, both you and Adam, uh, have some serious acting gigs. Um, I think that recently you were over in England, uh, shooting as well. Um, tell, can you give us a little 
uh, in on what you've been up to on the acting front. Yeah, so I have a, a independent movie that's out right now that I shot up in Canada. Uh, it's called Supergrid. It's kind of making its way through some of the um, um, uh, the uh, film festivals, festivals yeah. uh, up up in Canada, and things like that. So um, that's that'll be coming out pretty soon, and it's been getting some good feedback. Um, you know, I did another episode of a show, a Canadian show called Murdoch Mysteries. Uh, you know, and uh, there's another project that I'll be working on that'll be coming out in January that I'll be uh, I'll be talking about here in the next couple weeks. And so is it, uh, you know, uh, as, as Adam said, you know, that, that he finally admits that uh, he's an actor. Um, <laughs> I mean, but really, but seriously, so, yeah. you know, you, you spent your life as a professional wrestler. Uh, and, and uh, you know, and that brings you, I guess they call it your juice in life. I mean, that's what, uh, is this, you, you know, you consider yourself an actor now and uh, is it enough? Yeah, I mean... I, I, I feel like even when we were wrestling, we were still acting, Yeah, you know, I feel like I was still playing up the part of Christian for, for all those, those years and, and, you know, still am. Um, but I, it's weird because I, I think I'm more of an entertainer than, than yeah. an actor. But obviously we have the podcast, DNC's pot of awesomeness. Yeah. Um, like I said, this project that I'm, that I'll be talking about in the next couple of weeks, it's, it's a, it's a fun thing. It's not an acting project, but it's a different project. And it's, um, you know, that's another form of, of kind of extending yourself as far as uh, beyond just wrestling. So um, it's exciting time. You know, I just, um, yeah, I just want to explore and do different things and challenge myself. And, and the same way I did with wrestling where, you know, I knew that there was, you had to put hard work in and, and get better and work with people that are better than you. And that's, that's the, the goal to get better yourself. Yeah, and I know. Families... Which is why I'm doing this podcast. So maybe I can be a better podcaster by working with you. Yeah, Look well, at that. Hey, you guys, and, I'm, and a lot of folks are glad that you guys are back with the ENC uh, podcast, Reeks of Awesomeness. When, when, right. do you get, when does that drop every week? It drops every Friday. Every Friday. Wherever you get your okay. podcast. Yeah, every Friday. So okay. they're back, folks. So don't, uh, We're back. don't miss it. Um, yeah. And I know your, your uh, family is really important to you and uh, raising your daughter. Uh, it, it seems like, uh, you're in a great place, uh, now, Jay, and, and, uh, I really, I couldn't be happier for you. And, and I love the fact that now you're totally in control of your destiny and can do what you want. It's, it's great. Yeah. I mean, of course, yeah, my daughter, she's, you know, she's five now and she's like, she's become a, she's a real person now, you know, yeah. she has conversations with you and she talks, she has her own opinion. She's very stubborn. Yeah. Uh, she's, but she's amazing. And, uh, you know, she, it's so funny just just seeing this little person and, um, you know, she has all these interests and, you know, she's into figure skating and tennis and she loves, she, right now she thinks she's Lady Gaga, which is hilarious. She sings <laughs> Lady Gaga songs nonstop, dresses up in like bathing suits with, with, uh, with rain boots on because she thinks that's how Lady Gaga looks. So she's, yeah. she's just, she's a trip, man. And I oh just, yeah. And, and that's uh, a know. great age for all the holidays yeah. with Christmas and everything. Yeah. 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 Nice. She keeps saying to me, she, every, every morning she's like, daddy, why can't it be Christmas tomorrow? <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, she gets it. That's great. Well, I really yeah. appreciate taking the time because uh, you got you know you're busy and um, and of course uh, when you're not uh, big time in me, uh, but uh, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but really, Jay, uh, you guys are awesome. I, I'm I'm glad I had the opportunity to meet you guys. I'm so, uh, I am uh, remiss that, that it took so long, but uh, uh, yeah, no. Well, we're definitely. I'm yeah. sure it won't be the last time we we do something together because, like I said, we, every time we get together, we do something ridiculous and super fun. So yeah. I'm sure there's more. More where, where that came from as far as the Moonies go. More insanity on the way, and uh, I'm right. in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay, take care. Thanks so much. Appreciate you, Sean. Thanks. Have a good one.